0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, I'm delighted to be here. Get Off Your Affirmation is a call to action. Each week, we challenge you to take an in-depth look at your current beliefs and provide loving support and innovative tools to guide you toward fulfilling your spiritual potential and becoming the change you wish to see in the world. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is about finding your authentic self. That is one of the greatest adventures we can ever go on. This topic should be of interest to everyone, because it is only through self-knowledge that we find our authentic selves, and self-knowledge is among the most important knowledge there is.
1: Also, one of the oldest teachings. It was even inscribed at the Temple of Apollo at Delphi thousands of years ago. Since then, it's been taught by many writers and philosophers throughout history. I love what Benjamin Franklin said in Poor Richard's Almanac. There are three things extremely hard. Steel,
0: a diamond, and to know oneself. That is certainly true. In the art of war, Sun Tzu honors self-knowledge as one of the highest forms of wisdom.
1: Also in the Matrix movies, they use the Latin version of know thyself over the oracle's door.
0: So... I think it's clear that this important teaching has survived for thousands of years because it's an invaluable piece of advice to help humanity get along in the world and to help us understand why we do what we do. Now, in modern times, we've taken these teachings even deeper in terms of attempting to understand what part genetics play in determining who we are and which beliefs and behaviors are part of our internal makeup And which ones can be changed? In other words, what does it really mean to be our authentic self?
1: This is a great question. Unless we really take the time to understand who we really are instead of who others would like us to be or who we think we should be, we're not in a great position
0: to really know ourselves. That's true. Of course, the real problem is that most of us think we already know ourselves. We just assume that no one else could possibly know us as well as we know ourselves. After all, we know when it feels safer to hide our true feelings from others. We know when we think it's necessary to bend the truth or try to present ourselves in certain ways to cultivate a new relationship or to get a job. We assume we always know what we're doing and why we do it. But what we don't realize is, That because there are levels of mind we're not aware of, others can often identify behaviors in us that we either don't know we have or believe we've successfully hidden. For example, we recently did an episode on defensiveness where we talked about how the constant need to defend ourselves or blame others for our mistakes is often perceived by others as a desperate attempt to mask our low self-esteem. If we knew that we were inadvertently exposing our deepest fears by behaving defensively, I'm sure we'd want to make other choices, don't you think? The problem is we don't know, but others do. They see us, they observe us, and they draw conclusions. And that's just one example of how we unwittingly fool ourselves by ignoring the workings of our subconscious mind. Self-knowledge is a continual search to find and embrace our true and authentic self. So when people say,
1: you really need to be yourself, does that mean they somehow know that we're not being ourselves?
0: Well, yes, I believe people sense the energy, the body language, our levels of discomfort. I think we've all experienced listening to someone speak and having a feeling that things are not exactly what they seem to be. One of author and philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson's most famous quotes is, Who you are, speak so loudly, I can't hear a word you're saying.
1: Wow, that says it all, doesn't it? There's there's a truth about us that's much stronger and more honest than our ego-centered efforts to appear like we have it all together.
0: Definitely. These facades keep us from trusting one another and prevent us from truly accepting ourselves. As I was working on this project this week, I recalled some really hard times in my teenage years when I really had a strong need to be accepted by others, which is typical of that stage of development. For me, there was a kind of desperation about it. I really wanted to be seen as important and valuable to my friends, and every time I got a compliment... I would try to capitalize on it. For example, people would often say that I was really funny, and they would laugh at my jokes. So I thought, well, if that works, then I'll make it my business to be funny all the time. But I overcompensated, and I started getting on their nerves. In fact, I was getting on my nerves, too, because it was such a job to try and search for new material every day. Well, one night at a party, someone sat down next to me and said, you know, Leona, I wish you would be your authentic self. And I was so insecure that I replied, what would that look like to you? Oh, no, that's so sad. Isn't it? All I wanted to do was please others and be accepted by them. And it never occurred to me that I could actually do it by being myself.
1: What would it have looked like if you had been yourself?
0: Well, you see, I had no idea. It was never an option for me to value that possibility. But I knew that I could become or act like anybody they wanted. The question for me was, which one of those personalities would work in that group?
1: I don't want to be rude, but didn't you realize something was wrong with that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, of course, but not to the extent that I know it now. I just saw myself as socially awkward and and really introverted and not very interesting.
1: That's very similar to how I saw myself as well. I remember feeling so shy and having this feeling of, of never really being secure in myself. Like I was having to edit parts of myself to be accepted, which of course all of us have to do to one degree or another to fit certain social situations, but it's when we take it to an unhealthy degree, where we are never feeling at ease with who we are, that it starts to become an issue.
0: Oh yes, experts have often said that our teenage years are actually the most difficult because we really don't know who we are. We're always finding fault with ourselves. We're always comparing ourselves to others. There's so much peer pressure, and we judge ourselves so harshly. So it's really sad that both of us had those experiences. But it's also important that we're learning to see that who we are is good enough. And this is probably one of the most important realizations we can ever have. And I just want to give a shout out to Amy Linden, a very special person in our lives.
1: Yeah, she's a fantastic acting coach in L.A. and has been a great friend of ours for, man, more than 10 years. I've learned so much from her.
0: She's the author of a wonderful book called The Linden Technique and is not only an inspired acting coach, but a really, really fine actress. However, the reason I brought her up is that she's introduced a product line called I Am Enough. She has great t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, purses that say simply and profoundly, I am enough. And her mission is to remind everyone to believe that I am enough. I am worthy just as I am today to receive all of my dreams. Stand up and be counted.
1: Yeah, this is one of the biggest problems that actors face because the competition is always so fierce. And often you're not sure if the thing that you're being judged on has to do with your talent, your look, your attitude. And that uncertainty can become a real obsession where we can lose a sense of stability in how we see ourselves.
0: I agree with you for the most part. But I don't really believe that we lose a sense of stability because of the challenges. I believe the challenges point out a part of ourselves we need to develop and grow into. Now, the acting business or any other high-pressure work environment is calling us to a higher level of achievement, both professionally and personally. In the acting business, your product is yourself. And the more fully developed you are in terms of knowing your own self-worth as an actor, the more attractive and compelling you are in terms of your unique individuality, which is what people call star power. So let's move ahead from the time in my teenage years when I was willing to be whatever people wanted me to be so I would be acceptable to close to 20 years later, when I chose to become a unity minister so that I could remind people that the goodness, the spirituality, and the talents they longed for were already inside of them. Since that time, my focus has been the study of human behavior and the power of belief. And I'm constantly asking myself, if I'm encouraging people to be their authentic selves, how do we get there from here?
1: Telling you to be your authentic self but not telling you how to do it is really tough. Just saying I'm lovable doesn't necessarily make me feel lovable. For me, I have to understand more of how the human mind works and how we can find out which are the things we can change and
0: which things are hardwired. Exactly. For me, the goal is to find out which beliefs mean the most to us that just can't be compromised and what beliefs we've accumulated over the years that actually have no basis in fact. For example, we've been hearing a lot recently about the primal or reptilian brain, which causes a fight-or-flight response in us the way it did in ancient times when our choices were either to kill or be killed. Indecision was the enemy of early humans, and our only goal was to be safe. Our only choices then were to act quickly and aim for the heart. We still use that part of the brain in times of stress when we
1: feel threatened. All we have to do is look around us to see people all over the place reacting with high stress, fear, and all of the characteristics of the
0: fight-or-flight response. So when we see ourselves completely stressed and filled with fear and anger... We need to understand that we, like all other humans, are very capable of using that reptilian part of our brain to react and respond to life-threatening situations. But the most important thing to remember is that not all situations are life-threatening. For example, I used to have severe performance anxiety, particularly at auditions, I would hyperventilate, I would visualize the humiliation of being totally unprepared and inadequate for the task at hand. I cannot imagine that I would have felt any worse if I were threatened in the jungle by a wild animal. It seemed that after a time my my only choice was to give up on my dreams. I just didn't feel as though I had it within me to overcome these overwhelming feelings. But the more aware I became of the power of the mind and the indomitable strength of the human spirit, I started putting things in different contexts. I began to realize with the help of a really inspired counselor that, for some reason, I equated succeeding at an audition with my sense of self-worth and my safety and security as a human being. For me, failure was simply not an option. So, over the years, without really thinking about it, I developed the belief that the possibility of failure was threatening to my success as a person. I believed I couldn't be a successful person if I failed. Therefore, I put my future hopes and dreams, my happiness, my reputation on every audition. If I won the part, I was good for the time being. I was safe. If I failed, I was a loser and unworthy of success and happiness. Now, if you find those beliefs illogical and self-defeating, you're right. They are. But if we're immersed in those beliefs, they seem to be so threatening that we believe them to be true.
1: I know what you mean. I've gotten myself worked up and even panicked before an audition because I've wrapped up my whole self-worth into one potential job. It feels so awful because we believe it's true.
0: Exactly. Those are the magic words. Because we believe it's true. The fact is that if we believe it's true, it will be true for us. So the question is, is this belief part of our authentic nature? Or can we do something to change those beliefs? Well, it seems obvious that we can do something
1: to change them because... If we look around, we can see that not everybody believes the same way we do. So it's not a truth that's written in stone. It has to be some sort of learned response that we could unlearn.
0: That's right. And the most important thing to realize is that there is a part of us which can observe this dynamic taking place, a part of our own consciousness that is greater than what is happening to us. We can see ourselves becoming panicked. We can see ourselves sabotaging our chances of success. We can watch the scenario taking place in our minds without taking part in it. And if we can do that, then we can understand that we are much more than our thoughts and beliefs. Yeah, it's like taking
1: over the problem we've given so much power to when we realize that it's actually something we can change if we're willing to work hard at it. What once was an all-encompassing problem that we were victimized by now becomes a set of beliefs that we can change to bring a greater reality into our experience.
0: We now have a choice to let go of relying on the reptilian brain to give us our sense of reality and move to another more rational part of our brain. They call it the modern brain, which can take over and help us put things in perspective.
1: It's such a feeling of freedom to have access to that perspective and to be able to say, I want to book this audition and I'm going to do my best, but if I don't get the job, I'll be sad for a while, but it won't be the end of the world because I'm now learning to believe that I am enough and I have what it takes to accomplish my goals and live a successful and satisfying life. So even if I fail, it doesn't mean I'm a failure.
0: No, you're not a failure. You are enough, and for all those of you who are listening, you are enough. I feel so fortunate, in a way, to have been able to go through some of those dark days I spoke about before. The lessons I learned were so powerful that not only was I able to use them and are still using them, but I've been able to pass them on to you, Matthew, when you were working as a child actor remember what I shared with you? It's that there will always be circumstances that you can't control, but you can always control the way you respond to them.
1: Yeah, you also reminded me that every audition was a learning experience and that it was really important for me to share what I learned with you so I could see the audition as a valuable experience.
0: So my friends, I respectfully challenge each of you to get off your affirmation and let your light shine. Once again, I respectfully challenge each of you to get off your affirmation and let your light shine. I know how hard it can be to go through some of these dark times alone. It's really important to find someone objective to share your issues with, who will provide tools and help you see things from a broader perspective. Please know that I would be more than delighted to be a resource for you, please feel free to contact me at any time via our Facebook or our website, and I'll be happy to talk with you. Thanks so much for listening
1: to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please subscribe on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com, and connect with us on our Facebook page. We're really looking forward
0: to hearing from you. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.